Welcome to Scuba Shack Radio, episode 65, recorded Monday, August 16th, 2021. Scuba Shack Radio is a bi-weekly podcast in support of our mission to empower individuals with knowledge, ability, and experience to venture underwater in pursuit of their aspirations and to advocate for ocean health and sustainability. Hello again, everyone, and thank you for listening to Scuba Shack Radio. I'm your host, Jeff Centropino. Well, it has been a very busy couple of weeks for me as I've been traveling between Connecticut and Pennsylvania as I take care of, fam- of some family business. It's been a lot of driving, and everything is working out so far as the family goes. But it has also been a very busy time at the shop as well. Being retired has some great advantages, but kicking back hasn't been one of them right now but it's all good. So I'm not sure if this is the first time that I've recorded the show on a Monday. As I mentioned last time, it seems like the weekends get really busy with various things, and it gets difficult for me to fit in a recording session. With the shop being closed on Mondays, it will probably be a little easier if I start doing the podcast on a Monday morning. But you know how that goes. Something always comes up, and you need to adjust. Now, for those of us who live in the Northeast and Mid-Atlantic, we got some troubling news out of Dutch Springs. Stand by for an update on wet notes on that disappointing development. But on today's show, I'm going to be doing another installment of Sea Hunt, It's Still Alive, with the episode titled Proof of Guilt. But first up here on Scuba Shack Radio is our news and information update, wet notes. So, let's get started. This is Wet Notes here on Scuba Shack Radio for Monday, August 16th, 2021. First up today is the big news that came out of Dutch Springs about a week or so ago. Now, you have heard me talk quite often about Dutch Springs here on the podcast, and I even did a segment of Your Next Dive on Dutch. We absolutely have made it a part of our diving culture. Well, the news that broke is that Stuart Schooley and his wife Jane, who own Dutch Springs, are selling the quarry and the land around it to a Texas developer. Stu has decided to retire after having run Dutch Springs since 1980. That is a well-deserved retirement, and I congratulate him on this milestone and wish him the best. Unfortunately, however, it looks like Dutch Springs will be closing at the end of 2021 season, and the word is that there will no longer be any access for diving at the site. The Texas developer, Trammell Crow, is planning to put up a 300,000 square foot warehouse space on this property, and they're going to call it the Lehigh Valley Trade Center 3. I guess they also own some other warehouse space in the area. 
This is very big and sad news for diving here in the Northeast. It is a mecca for training and recreational diving. There's a lot of activity that is going on to see if they might somehow be able to keep access for diving available. Now, Patty conducts their instructor exam at Dutch Springs a couple times a year, and many dive shops conduct their open water certification dives there. For us, we normally do our advanced open water and other specialties at least four times a year. There is still a lot that has to happen before the warehouses are built, however. Later this month, the Trammell Crow plan goes before the Lehigh Valley Planning Commission's Comprehensive Planning Committee on August 24th before it is placed before the full commission on August 26th. Petitions are circulating to somehow save Dutch Springs, but I have to say I wouldn't think they will be very successful. And our last trip may just be September 2021. This is very, very sad news indeed for scuba diving in the Northeast. On the July 4th installment of Wet Notes, I told you about the vintage scuba auction run by the nation's attic. I snagged a decor clipper model C2 or C2 during that auction. And it's pretty cool. Well, they're going to have another auction in November. I recently got a message from them that they are seeking items for that auction. You can either consign a single item or a collection of vintage scuba gear for the auction. Also, the email indicated that the nation's attic will be traveling in September. Now, they're going to be visiting all these states, and the states include Missouri, Illinois, Ohio, Wisconsin, Pennsylvania, New York, New Jersey, West Virginia, Kentucky, Michigan, and Connecticut. And I thought I was doing a lot of driving recently. Now, they're going to be picking up equipment if you're interested in selling or consigning the items to the auction. You can call or text Don at 316-371-1828 or email him at helmets at nationsaddict.com. Hmm. Wonder if I have anything worth putting in that next auction. Now, here's some news from Noah. It looks like they're hiring four people. The positions are with the U.S. National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration's Mission Iconic Reefs Field Operations Team. You can find out all the particulars on LinkedIn. The duties here will include site preparations, support restorations, conduct maintenance, perform benthic monitoring, collect fish assemblage data, install and download sensors, analyze and archive large data sets, and support a variety of other operations. I wonder if other operations include doing the laundry and washing the dishes. They didn't say what the pay would be or how long the jobs would last but the hiring is being done by Florida International University. While FYU is doing the hiring, those selected will be part of, Noah's, uh, will be part of NOAA 
and they'll be based out of Key West. Now, that's not a bad place to be. And finally here on Wet Notes is some news from Shearwater. They just announced that they have a new wireless pressure transmitter. It's called Swift. I absolutely love my Shearwater Perdix AI. I have found it to be highly reliable and absolutely dead on when comparing it to my SBG. Like everything related to technology, there is always room for improvement and innovation. The Swift is said to maintain a highly reliable connection to the dive computer, and it apparently listens for other transmitters and only communicates when the channel is clear. The Swift is backward compatible with all existing Shearwater Air Integrated computers, and all you have to do is do a firmware upgrade. Now with this firmware upgrade, you will be able to monitor up to four Swift transmitters on your Shearwater. One neat feature is that they are calling, uh, calling this their no-tool no design. That means you don't have to have that thin wrench to properly secure it to the first stage. The ergonomics of the transmitter case allow you to hand tighten it to the HP port. There is also an LED uh, indicator on the transmitter to indicate that everything is working properly as you set up and check out your gear. According to the price list I got, the Shearwater Swift transmitter retails for $395 US. That's pretty much in line with other brands. Not sure if I need to upgrade at this point, but if you are getting your first AI Shearwater, there, this seems like the way to go. Well, that's it for this installment of Wet Notes here on Scuba Shack Radio for August 16th. 2021 It's time for another installment of Sea Hunt, It's Still Alive, here on Scuba Shack Radio. And this time, we are headed back to Season 2 for Episode 33, titled Proof of Guilt, which premiered exactly 62 years ago today, on August 16, 1959. In this episode, Mike is in the Hawaiian Islands, where he is working for a manufacturing company testing out underwater motion picture and television cameras. In the opening scene, he is diving with a huge film camera. The plankton is up, cutting the visibility, but is also bringing in fish and the man-eating sharks. We see a number of white tips circling, and they're getting closer and closer as Mike sees their cold eyes. They're getting too close for comfort, so Mike decides to head to the shallows. When he gets to the pier, he sees a note underwater on the slate that says, Come up. Mike tells us that there is greater threats up there than the sharks. When he gets out of the water, Mike is met by Lieutenant Dave Kalkoa of the Honolulu Police Department. 
He asks why the note, while Dave says it wasn't from him. The camera moves to a woman who says it was from her. Her name is Sandra Otani, or Sandy. She says she put the note down there. You see, she owns Nalua Island, where she grows cultured pearls offshore. Someone is stealing her pearls, and she needs Mike's Mike's help and his cameras to get the evidence that Dave needs to arrest them. Mike tells Sandy that he won't give her the camera, as they only go with him. Sandy smiles and tells Mike that she wants him to go with the cameras. Ah, that Mike is a smooth operator. The scene now shifts to the beach on Sandy's island, where both Sandy and Mike are gearing up to do a shore dive out to the pearl beds. Sandy shows Mike the pearl beds and is getting angry underwater as she finds the broken oyster shells. As they are walking out of the water, Mike tells Sandy that it is the perfect place for a scuba hit and run. Sandy tells Mike that some of the pearls have been growing for 30 years. Mike asks her exactly how they cultivate the pearls. Sandy says that it's a secret that came with her father from Japan. But since, they won't, but since she won't tell him the secret, she'll make it up to them with the best dinner he ever had. Now the next morning, Mike is ready to set a trap for the pearl robbers. He's hiding in the rocks with a pair of binoculars in his full scuba rig looking for any suspicious activity. He spots a boat, but he doesn't see the divers go into the water on the other side of the boat. He does, however, see their bubbles and heads out with his camera to catch them in the act. At the pearl beds, Mike hides behind a rock with the camera as the divers approach. As they start to rob the beds, Mike starts to film. But he gets careless, he says. The sound of the camera alerts the divers. One of the bad guys circles around and surprises Mike. They get into a fight. The other bad guy grabs the camera and pulls out the film. Now, while the underwater fight is going on, Sandy was watching from the beach, and she suspects trouble, and is racing to the pearl beds with her boat. The bad guys rip Mike's regulator out of his mouth, but as they are scared off by the sound of Sandy's boat, Mike is left helpless. Miraculously, Mike doesn't drown. He recovers, and we see some eagle rays in the background. As he heads to the surface, he's blowing bubbles all the way up. We now see the camera resting on the bottom. Mike struggles back on the boat, is gasping for air as Sandy asks him if he is all right. In the next scene now, we see Mike lying on a chair. Sandy's giving him some tea. He says he doesn't want any more and starts to work on a plan to catch the bad guys with Lieutenant Dave. Sandy says she wants to let them have the pearls because they're not worth Mike's life. But Mike says it's not about the pearls anymore. It's a personal grudge. He needs Dave's help to put them on TV. Now Mike is going to use the underwater television camera to catch the thieves. He shows Dave how it's going to work as he pans across the island. Just then, Mike points the camera towards Dave and Sandy. Dave says, hey, look at the prettiest girl on Nalu Island as Sandy strikes a pose for the camera. And she says she's the only girl on Nalua Island. As Mike looks to take off underwater, Sandy gives him a big kiss for luck. 
and Mike says he's never had any better luck. Back underwater with the TV camera, Mike is waiting for all three villains as they are now jumping in the water to steal the pearls, but this time one of them has a spear gun. Mike has the TV camera pointed at the pearl beds, but there's a problem. The bad guys are coming from the wrong direction and they're not on TV. They ambush Mike, whose only hope is to move or maneuver them into the frame of the camera. Chaos prevails as they fight and slash at one another. Finally, Mike gets them to the pearl beds. The spear gun is fired and strikes the bed. Fortunately, Sandy is watching and, and, as, and yells to Dave, Look at this! Cast off! Now the cops are headed to the fight. During the fight, Mike's left arm is slashed, but he continues fighting, pulling the regulator out of one of the bad guy's mouth. Just then, he sees the two Hawaiian police officers free-diving in their swimming trucks and says they look like angels. With the odds now even, justice prevails, and the bad guys lose again. In the final scene, they are back on the shore of Nalua Island. Mike's arm is bandaged, and Dave asks him if he needs a ride back to Honolulu. Sandy tells Dave that Mike is going to be on vacation. Dave says to Sandy, nobody likes a cop. Sandy says she will give him the best testimonial, but also gives Mike another big kiss, to which Mike replies, that is the best testimonial in my life. Now, I'm not exactly sure where this episode was filmed for the topside scene, but it sure does look like Hawaii. However, you never know when it comes to television or the movies. The part of Sandy was played by Nobu McCarthy, and Ken Drake played Lieutenant Dave Kalkawa. And here's one final interesting tidbit. This episode was remade in the 1987 version of Sea Hunt, and it was titled Pearl Beds. And just so you know, I'm still trying to get my hands on that 1987 series with Ron Ely. Maybe someday. Now that was an epic episode of Sea Hunt. Mike once again gets the bad guys. This time, three to one, and he gets the girl for a well-deserved rest on a mythical Hawaiian island. So, this wraps up episode 65 of Scuba Shack Radio. Once again, I want to thank you for listening and for your continued support. I'll be back again in a couple of weeks, but until then, take care and safe diving. Goodbye. Scuba Shack Radio is a bi-weekly podcast in support of our mission to empower individuals with knowledge, ability, and experience to venture underwater in pursuit of their aspirations and to advocate for ocean health and sustainability. Talk to you next time.